Okay, so let's get started. Welcome to Aster Education. It's been a minute. We're back. We're ready to roll. My name is Robert Astwood, and we have uh, not an inquiry person or an interlocutor. I guess you're still an interlocutor, but we have a co-host, our guest star. Uh, Catherine, go ahead. Take the floor. Introduce yourself. Hi, how's it going? I'm Catherine, um, and I'm currently finishing up my degree in interdisciplinary education, and uh, I'm excited to have this conversation about the current state of education that we have today. Such a critical need. We, we need to have this conversation and we need to inspire people to action. Uh, and also, come on, let them know something epic about yourself. What's your main mission? What's your reason for being on this planet? You got to let them know. Tell people. I think the, the words that, especially when it comes to education, that I really like to live for and really fuel me every day would be from Bertolt Brecht. And to sum it up, he said, see for yourself what you don't know yourself, you don't know. Check the bill, you have to pay it, lay your finger on every charge and ask, how did this get here? So every day I kind of like to see things for myself and ask the questions, how did this get here? How are we in this moment? And what is going on? And how can I be a part of that solution? You know, that's actually super philosophical. You study philosophy, right? Like, just let everybody know. Uh, a little bit, yes. Definitely. A lot of it. Like, come on. Like, with that with that line, like, what? I don't even know who that was. Like, when you popped out with the uh, the accent, I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> German but, um, is my second language, so. Okay. The accent came. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So, so you're, you're fluent? Um, at one point I was, I haven't practiced in a while. Sometimes I will when my sister, when I talk with my sister, we'll switch to, switch to German. Um, okay. Okay. Well, Hey, I always tell people I'm like 37% fluent in Spanish. So, Hey, there's that. (laughs) Here we go. But, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like that answer. I love that answer. Like, Like you said, laying your finger on your purpose or like determining like what, or asking, like being very reflective and like, thinking, why is this here? Like, you know, a lot of the times people, when they see things in the world, like they kind of just, especially with like social media and like, you know, news, they're so quick to just accept it as truth. And instead of looking at it as simply knowledge to be aware of, that's something that I always say. So uh, I love that answer. Um, Yeah. It looks like we're going to have a juicy conversation. Yeah. Uh, So the first question. The first question is, what is the textbook definition of critical race theory? Um, and I think you had come up with that question to kind of clarify um, maybe some misconceptions or misunderstandings about what critical race theory is. All right. So if I'm somebody, hey, I don't know anything about critical race theory. What is the three identifying themes or factors like for the people right now, like, you know, for them to just kind of, all right, boom, that's what it is. My ideas have been informed. So I want to make sure that I give credit um, this is um, a paper by Dixon and Rousseau about 2005 called, And We Are Still Not Saved, Critical Race Theory in Education 10 Years Later. Um, and it can be found in Race, and Eth- Race Ethnicity, and Education, um, that publication. So I want to... Yeah, I could definitely throw those in the show notes in the description, too, for anybody that wants to look at that. Uh, that'd be awesome, because I want to make sure that you know, they get the credit for, for their ideas. And I'm just kind of using, using their words and um, basically to sum up what they said and what really resonates with me about critical race theory is they said, and I'll quote them, 
critical race theory works towards the end of eliminating racial oppression as part of, a, of the broader goal of ending all forms of oppression. And there, there is some pushback about whether discussing racism in schools and, and what age and you know who, who should have this as part of the curriculum, if it even should be part of the curriculum. Um, but they, they really emphasize that it's not about teaching students to make each other feel bad. It's about teaching students to understand the world that they live in. Um, and I, you know, I think it's interesting because then for a lot of black students, a lot of black families, there is no option to discuss race. You're thrust into it the day you're born. And so I, I've been in classes and people are like, oh, do I, do I discuss this with my 12 year olds? And I go, even just recognizing that determining an age in which you discuss racism with a student is a privilege, because that's not a conversation that happens for a lot of black students at 12. It happens long before then, many years before then. I'll continue with quoting them, which is the critical race theory is designed to recognize that racism is endemic to American life, uh, to express skepticism toward dominant legal claims of neutrality, objectivity, colorblindness, and meritocracy, and challenge a historicism and insist on a contextual historical analysis um, and now these are my words of how we are in the present moment we are in. And I, I feel like sometimes schools might not do that enough, force kids to think critically about how we have landed in the moment we are in. I mean, and you, that's pretty evident with, um, and it's kind of ironic, it's evident with how in schools right now or, you know, in states right now. And what were the states? I know what, Idaho, Tennessee, what else that uh, right now apparently have banned it, the critical race theory? Yeah, there. I think there are like 11, 11 states. Mm-hmm. Was the number I'm not sure I all of them. Right. I'm not sure all of them. But, but it's a mm-hmm. it's a scary number. Even just eleven, that's a scary number because it's basically putting a cap on who gets to tell their story in a classroom and whose history is told and through what lens. Yeah, and you know, I was recently reading a, an article, a few articles on Education Week, and. Like the writers, they were talking about, um, you know, how doing that even makes simple things like telling American history itself much more difficult, you know, like just like because since slavery is pretty much like a staple part of like how things came to be or just the history of America, like you, it's a whole part. You just can't even like how are you going to go through certain parts now? Like you you just can't even. How do you even discuss colonialism? How -hmm. do you discuss yeah, even that, even that, like, yeah. The genocide, you can't call it a genocide of Native American tribes, yeah. which is what it was to colonize this land. So literally the inception of what we now call the United States, even that history gets erased when you can't discuss race, ethnicity, gender in a, in a critical manner. And, you know, I think we're actually going into the next question. What was the second question? Oh, how about how maybe this might even be the third, why it's important to uh, K through 12 schools. At least reflecting upon my own education, I think um, even in terminology that we use and the way in which uh, history or stories is told, kids at that age are developing a sense of self. And if we're not providing 
a holistic approach to historical, social, cultural concepts within an education system, within a classroom, we're really stunting some students' ability to develop a full sense of self, especially when they they go home and it feels like an entirely different world than what is reflected to them in a classroom. And then they have to compete within themselves of, well, which one is right? In reality, neither is right or wrong, but the fact that some students have to tiptoe in between two different worlds through this invisible line and some students don't, and it's seamless for them, um, we kind of have to recognize how kids are developing their identities. So even when discussing slavery, I like to try and remember to say enslavement, right? So we can be a teacher. Someone can say, I am a teacher, but to say, I am enslaved, I was enslaved, my ancestors were enslaved, is a lot different than giving that to them as a title. And I think even that can be part of working, especially in younger younger classrooms, even just changing the language slightly to show the power dynamics that existed. It's something imposed upon them. Like it's a, it was a, it's a verb, you know, they were enslaved. It's not like they just happened to be slaves. Like they're not, that's not their identity, right? Yeah. The name, their names were taken from them. And in return, they were given the, the state of enslavement. I think it's important because even with that slight switch, slave or en- enslaved, you can see that that already tells two very different types of history. One where it's through the eyes of perhaps a more colonialistic standpoint, where a person is still a commodity in the form of slave, and one maybe through a lens that has been overshadowed and recognizes the human behind the, the a colonialized term. And, you know, I never thought about that. I really love that you're saying that right now because that yeah that is a small like shift that does show like wow okay this is something again like how i said like is something imposed or something that has been acted on to them so yeah i think that is something that i'll be making sure that i tell tell people about um and start really trying to look through that lens as well um you know we are running out of time and i told you that hey uh (laughs) this is going to be a fast breeze we're gonna have too much to talk about it's coming true I do want to get to the last question, though, which is number, I think it was number two. I forget the numbers now, but it doesn't really matter. But hey, what is the purpose of CRT or critical race theory? You know, because I really do want to clear up or help to add some more clarity, is a better way to say it, to the idea of what critical race theory is and like its overall purpose. So the question very shortly is, what is the purpose of critical race theory? What do you think? I think the purpose of it is to explore history through multiple lenses and to recognize that there there has been one dominant narrative taught, but that dominant narrative is not necessarily bringing forward all of the facts. About, and, and, and I'm not saying facts like uh, what has been taught is necessarily incorrect, but facts as in how a history has been perceived by another group. So Native Americans have a very different view of American history than those who have descended from and benefited from a colonialist history. Um, So 
I think it's recognizing that the dominant narrative we have has dominated for too long and that there are other voices that need to join this conversation and that the issues we're seeing uh, kind of unfold in our society and, and that we've been seeing historically unfold in society are not going to be solved by ignoring the, the less pretty version of American history. We can't, we can't sugarcoat it and sometimes confronting it and, and self, the capacity of self-reflection is the only way to move through it. And that can be very uncomfortable. And it would be less uncomfortable if we started when we were younger. I think it makes adults uncomfortable, but it doesn't necessarily make a kindergartner uncomfortable to learn something because they're not relearning. They're learning it for the first time. And adults, we have to kind of relearn our mindsets and our views on history and re-socialize ourselves in the society that we have today. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's how it's perceived by, by kids. Um, and I think that's why it's important to, to put in schools and the purpose of it isn't, isn't, to, isn't intended to make anyone feel bad, but to recognize histories and perspectives that don't get recognized and that have caused communities harm. You just said a lot. So that makes me think, all right, so where should we start? And we're, this is probably going to be what we maybe start talking about, maybe not next week, but the week after that. But like, I'm going to just kind of foreshadow it is where do we start? Where do we, we should probably start everywhere is what I think. But, um, and one of the important thing too, like just final thing is we need to make it clear that race is a construct. It's something that is created. Like it's an idea that's manufactured. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really like a, a thing, uh, but we just make it a thing. And we, ba- it basically has, you know, served only to divide people, unfortunately. And it's like, I'm wondering how do we, how do you do a national paradigm shift, like a national shifting? Cause it's really just like belief. So if it's a construct, it's a belief, right? So it's like something that we believe it's something mental. Like how do you do a national shift? of ideas. And that's kind of what I'm working on is like, all right, how do we, that's what I keep saying is re, re uproot, you know, rebuild from the ground up, like national globe, not well, global, I'm dragging it. That's a bit too far, but you know, how do we do like this sweeping shifting of, of values, of value systems? So, I mean, you know, kind of want us to just kind of lingering question, you know, we don't have the opportunity to answer it right now, but just kind of for those listening, definitely keep that in mind. Um, so Catherine, you want to kind of lead us out with this uh just kind of again remind the people who you are let them know you'll be coming back i don't know what do you want to let the people know <laughs> uh, i'm very excited that you'll you'll have me back um and yeah again i'm i'm Catherine. i i'm i study education i work in i work in schools and um i i definitely agree with you on race being a construct but race being a very deeply embedded construct in the way we have developed every single system in this country. And so the sweep for change would be a call for adults to do self-reflection and a re-education. Re-education, exactly. Rethinking education, just relearning. That's it's in, you're right. It's so hard, but, uh, that is what's going to be necessary for us to really see like salient and meaningful change in our nation. So, mm-hmm. all right, well, with that, we're going to go ahead and end right here. Uh, again, this is Astor Education. I'm Robert Astwood with Catherine. 
Um, and hey, stay cultivating, stay improving, keep moving forward, and we'll see you next time.